opportunity to stand in this place, or mostly that place, and have an opportunity to uh, study with you the Word of God. I would like to say that the, the subject or the title matter for our uh, course of study over the next few months is my idea, but it's really not. One day at, uh, at the office here, I heard Michael speaking about what he was going to preach on that Sunday night, and it, the title was, What Does the Bible Say About... I think the first one was Women Roles in Church. And as soon as I heard that, my ears perked up. And I said, either I walked to the door or I said it from my desk, I went in on that. And so um, we decided to make that a, or he, he indulged me enough to make that a series for this quarter, and I surely do appreciate that. Tonight, as we look at what does the Bible say, we're going to look at what does the Bible say, and we're going to change it just a, a little bit. Uh, but what does the Bible say about the LGBTQ lifestyle? Now, there are some of you who are shaking your head like, all right, and others of you looking at me like, I don't have a clue what those letters mean. So before we get too far into this, I'm going to mention those letters a lot. So I want you to know what group of people we're talking about. This group of people who call themselves LGBTQ are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning. That is the group that we'll be speaking about in that particular lifestyle uh, tonight when we look at what does the Bible say. Let's get with a little history. In June of, 20, of uh, 2015, June 26, homosexual marriage was um, brought full force for us in the United States when the United Supreme, Supreme Court heard the case of Overfell versus Hodge. And here was the ruling for the ruling majority of those judges, as they sit on this court. All state-level bans on same-sex marriages are unconstitutional. Far be it from me to question men and women who have more education probably than I have uh, time on this earth but exactly where in our Constitution does it deal with sex or marriage? can't be unconstitutional if it's not in there. We could stop right there, but we're not going to because I have a few minutes to fill. And in March the 3rd of 2016, that was a typographical error there, homosexual marriage in Alabama is forced. That is to say... Uh, the, the government says if the homosexual couple comes to the um, probate judge and the probate judge is obligated then by the United States law to give them marriage license. And so the wisdom of the ordinary people in Alabama is this. Okay, we're not giving marriage license to anybody. We cut that out real quick. It, that, that's exactly, I'm telling you, listen, to a guy who lived through it, that's exactly how it went. And there was a freeze on marriages for a while. And then in April 28th of 2016, there's a little town in between 
Birmingham, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia, and it has made its um, debut on the scene because it is the place where most people stop and use the restroom on that trip. Do a place called Oxford, Alabama. It repeals a city ordinance of who can use what bathroom. You know, you can just use whatever bathroom you feel like. Really? How did we get there? How in the world did all the common sense in our heads just fall out? How did we get here? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Look at your world, or this, this, the nation in which you live. About 300 million people, 1.7% of those would say they are homosexual. 1.8% of them would say they are bisexual. And not even a half of a percent, a third of a percent would say they are transgender. And then the numbers go way down for the folks who say they are questioning. That makes a grand total of 3.8% of our nation who say that the other 96% need to change in order to satisfy their needs. Now, as you and I begin to look at this subject, I want you to know something right out of the gate. We cannot... Without being dishonest with ourselves, we cannot scream from the rooftop that the LGBTQ lifestyle is absolutely wrong if we are willing to overlook those who engage in adultery and in fornication. And that is premarital sex or postmarital sex that is not with your spouse. Can't do that. Because it's all under one umbrella. And we'll get to that umbrella in a minute, but, but we cannot say those things and, and be honest about it without including all the others. Here are the battle lines as I see them being drawn. A loud, very loud, very much minority versus a very silent, very large majority stand at the precipice of what would be the OK Corral. And, and our nation is not a fantastic gauge of sinlessness. But for the most, at least on this particular topic, for the most, people agree with what the Bible says. The battle line is this. Are you willing to give up your salvation and your family for just anything? Let's ask the real question. You ready? Is the, is the LGBTQ lifestyle an alternative lifestyle? Now, before we move on, I would like to point out right here that these next two slides, this one and the one to follow, are going to be key in understanding this sermon. Don't go to sleep. And don't go off somewhere else. At least pay attention for the next two slides. So, is the LGBTQ lifestyle an alternative lifestyle? As I look out, some are saying no. Some are looking at me like, I don't, I don't know what you're fishing for. 
The answer is yes. The LGBTQ lifestyle is an alternative lifestyle, but let's define alternative. Alternative is an adjective in our language. It means offering or expression of a choice existing or functioning outside the established cultural, uh, social, or economical system. It's a different from the usual or conventional. By the way, that's on their website. That's where I pulled that from. And you also find that in Webster's Dictionary in 2005. So even by defining alternative choice, they have defined it as a choice. They also have defined it as functioning outside the establishment of the culture, and it differs from the usual or the conventional. Is it an alternative lifestyle? Yes. Absolutely it is. And let's look at that alternative lifestyle. It's not just the fact that it's alternative to the way I think. It's alternative first to God's design. God's design in marriage. Turn over to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 23. Beginning in verse number 18, Adam has a specific job. He is naming animals. So if you don't like the fact that cats are named cats, or camels are named camels, then you you got to go way back and talk to him. Or whatever he named those animals is what, what we call them. And as he sees these animals passing by, he notices that they are, at least in, in, in our minds, a, a breeding pair. There's a male and a female. And I wonder, I wonder how long it took for Adam to kind of look around and say, you know, everything else has a female. Why don't I? It was at that point where God said, it's not, it's not good. It's not a profitable thing for man to be alone. I'm going to make for him a help meet. He's going to take a rib from the side of Adam. He's going to make woman, and, and Adam's going to be uh, addressed with this woman, and uh, he's going to say, she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, which is out of man. Why a woman? Why did God make a woman for, for him? Could he not make another man? Did he not have enough dirt? Oh, sure he did. He, could he make another man? Absolutely. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, God, who performed the first marriage, has established the rules there in verse number 24. Therefore shall a man leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. As you read in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, Jesus adds even a, a stiffer stipulation upon that particular uh, series of events. He says, let a man be joined with his wife, and those things that God has joined together, man cannot pull apart. Moses, the writer of Genesis, lived about 4,000 years, or 3,000 years rather, before Jesus the Christ. Yet they taught the exact same thing on same-sex marriage, and they were against it. And you say, preacher, I never saw same-sex marriage in Genesis chapter 2. Where is it? It's in the principle of, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. 
Turn that coin over. What you don't have is a man cleaving to a man or a woman cleaving to her wife. He said, here are the players in marriage, man, woman, the end. And so as we look at an alternative lifestyle, it's an alternative. It's different from what God's design for marriage was. 1996, November the 7th, there was a show that came on called Turning Point, and a lady by the name of Elizabeth Vargas was the, uh, the face of that particular show. And the title of that particular show was Same-Sex Marriages, For Better or Worse. And, and they, they spent 45 minutes, 50 minutes there uh, exploring both sides of, of why it would be better or, or why it would be worse. And the very last segment of that show comes back from commercial break. And there's an Episcopal priest, and he's leading a processional down the aisle way there at the Episcopal church. Behind him are the guys who have the, the, the incense, and they're, they're moving it back and forth, and it's beginning to waft through that building. Behind those gentlemen are a couple of men holding hands and a couple of women holding hands. And that Episcopal priest said, uh, this is going to be a union here on television tonight. And these are the vows they took. I will be your partner and your lover in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. They haven't taken any vows. They haven't taken any vows before God. It really doesn't matter what we call it or how we dress it up. It doesn't matter if we put it inside of a, of a building that we think is a church building. It doesn't matter how we, we see it in, in our social life. It doesn't matter what the, the televisions and movies are telling about it these days. Sin is sin, and that's wrong. It's just wrong. It is an alternative lifestyle to God's design. It's an alternative lifestyle to God's procreation plan. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, God says to that man and that woman in that garden, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. It's a hard task for the homosexual. I do not know when the first homosexual male or female showed themselves on this planet. But this thing I do know. From homosexual relationships, there has never been one child conceived or produced. If God's plan is, at least for those first few, to be fruitful and multiply, and if that's God's plan for our, our family... How does that fit in with the LGBTQ lifestyle? It's not possible. It's not possible. It is an alternative lifestyle. It is an alternative to the plan of procreation that God has made for the family. Brethren, we have brothers and sisters all over uh, in this congregation and in, in just probably every congregation around the world. would give up probably everything they own to have a child. And they cannot. 
and it would seem like, at least if you were paying attention at all, that this particular group and this particular lifestyle flaunts the fact that they can't have children in the face of those who desperately want them but cannot have them. What a sad state of affairs we live in. Let's teach the truth on homosexuality and transgenderism and those who may be questioning and those who may call themselves bisexual. Genesis chapter 18 and 19, you and I run into these cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and five around the plains there. And when you and I think of Sodom and Gomorrah, we automatically know what happens, right? As we're thinking about them, we say, you're shaking your head? Yeah, I know how this story is going to end. I'd like for you to look at it and and understand what is being taught today versus what is being taught in the book of Genesis. For the most of the religious world today, Genesis chapter 18 and 19 is a problem with Jewish hospitality. What they say is these men who were clawing at the door of Lot, who Lot said, please take my daughters, and they say, no, we want the men, were, in fact, not being hospitable to them, and that's why God punished them. If you only look at Genesis chapter 18 and 19, you might, if you have a really good imagination, you might say that's a possibility. And then there's Jude verse 7. And in Jude verse 7, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus the Christ, by the inspiration of God, writes this, that these men of Sodom and Gomorrah were looking for strange flesh, unauthorized sexual practices. When Lot offers his daughters and they say, no, we want the men, what do you think they want them for? By the way, just a side note for you, since this is full of legal stuff. Do you know the, that sodomy is a crime? Yeah. Do you know why it's named that? You know what its root word is? Sodom. What happened to this, to this uh, group of, uh, of cities here? They burned to a point to which no one can find them anymore. Now pay attention to this statement. Because I'm going to make this, and I want this one to be abundantly clear. If God refrains from judging us and our nation the same way, he needs to apologize to Sodom. That's it. We are doing the exact same thing, our nation. We are living in that society. We are fulfilling the role of Lot. You read the legislation in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 18 and Leviticus chapter 20, there are stiff penalties in the Old Testament for homosexuality. 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 24, you'll see sodomites in the land. Romans chapter 1, from verse 24 through verse 32, oh my goodness. These Romans who had nothing pulled back from them and everything given to them, 
seemingly want to push it as absolutely far as it can possibly go. And they do that. I want to tell you something. In the land which we live of political correctness, it doesn't make it right. And the truth is as solid today as it was when the ink was drying on the letter that Paul was writing to the Romans. It's just the same. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 24, God says, I gave them up to uncleanliness. In, in chapter 24, Romans 1 24, he says, they are going there to dishonor their body. In verse number 26, I'm going to give them over to vile affections. In verse number 26, unnatural affections. In verse number 27, they work those things that are unseemly. Men with men and, and women with women, giving up the natural use. Brother, it has always been against the law of God from the creation. It has always been that way. Homosexuality has been a sin from the beginning and it will continue to be so. In the book of Leviticus chapter 18, verse number 22, as Moses is writing his pen, God calls homosexuality an abomination. In, in Judges 19 and in Genesis 19, he calls it wickedness. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says it defiles the body. And in 1 Corinthians 